Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to another Decisive Podcast Series. Roberto Ingram here, your host. Today goes by way of a surprise guest from Detroit, Derek Thompson, a.k.a. DJ Drivetrain, label owner, DJ, producer, family man, and IT specialist. Thanks to Disco Tribe's Sandra Gold for giving us this opportunity. We will have Mr. Drivetrain and his DJ mix recorded in Cologne, presented to you today on December the 8th, 2017. The Decisive Podcast Series guest mix starts now. Enjoy. Hey, hey. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. We will meet uh, in person for the first time on Saturday at the Disco Tribe event at Palais. Ready for that? Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Heard a lot of great things about it. Since uh, you're headlining the party, we decided to take this opportunity to uh, do this episode of this decisive podcast series. And uh, very rare that um, I'm able to do this with somebody flying directly from yeah. Detroit. <laughs> Now uh, in uh, Cologne, played last week. What party did you play last week? Uh, it was a party at the Goldheim uh, in Dusseldorf. Very nice place. Uh, with your colleague uh, Klaus Bachor. Klaus Bachor, yes. Psycho. Yeah, we blew it up. Psycho thrill. You got it. Did you turn it out? Man, we blew the place up. We killed it. <laughs> From off the top, I like to get the people to understand where you're from. And um, first of all, where were you born and raised? Was it Detroit or? Yes, I am from Detroit. I've always lived there. What part? Uh, yeah, I, I was born in the city of Detroit. I'm, I uh, live in the suburbs now, suburbs. but uh, just just like three miles outside of the city. So I am a Detroit native. What do you uh, consider the difference between the suburbs and the inner city? Well, now, you know, back in the day, it was quite, quite different because the city was, I think the city at the time may have been 80, 80% black. And the suburbs, there were not, not that, uh, that much integration in the suburbs, but today, it's it's just completely full of all kinds of different uh, races, ethnicities, you know, you name it. Detroit and the suburbs are completely integrated. The city is still majority black, but the suburbs have just completely uh, changed. I suppose that's a great thing for uh, for the city. It is a really good thing because you know people really separated at first. I guess there there will always be that separation, but now. It's, it seems that people are getting along a little better. They understand each other more because they're living amongst each other. The problem with Detroit is the public transportation system there. In the past, there's been no Exactly, we don't have a, a subway or a train, a train or anything like that. Uh, they're starting to improve it. Uh, so I expect in the coming years that things are gonna get a lot better, but um, that, that's been the big separating factor for the city. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, so you're not only a talented, but you're also an IT specialist, huh? Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, you know, um, back in high school, my folks used to ask me, what did I want to do when I grow up? And I always <laughs> figured I wanted to do something that would be challenging to to me that but also fun so i enjoyed computers and i stuck with that and um today i um i work in it i work in um i started off in in tech support and now i'm um, doing some cybersecurity. getting to that point of being it did you have all the benefits to actually get through the school your parents kind of backed you on it and kind of and supported you on that step well, yeah, I, I had some support on that, but uh, most of it was was my own doing. I had to get loans, of course, and you know, work hard to get through it. But um, it all paid off. 
when did the DJing come in? <laughs> well, the DJing has always been there. The DJing and the musicianship. Um, it wasn't until much later that when I had to get a job, because for, for years I did nothing but music. But then um, music at some point stopped making enough money to support me. So I, I needed to do something else. So that's when I went back and to my old bag of tricks and pulled out the old IT card. And that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm doing IT to support the music situation. Understand. That's, that's uh, also a great benefit as well. I mean, to uh, have a few things um, challenging you as a person and keep, keep, keeps yourself expanding and uh, looking forward to uh, new things coming at you. Always right. trained of doing, and uh, I guess uh, being in IT can also benefit you as a as a as a musician in these day and age. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you're familiar, uh, a lot of the well, <laughs> to create and produce music and to run a record label, to to have some IT knowledge is very beneficial. So you don't have to pay other people to do stuff for you. Um, just producing tracks, you know, using the software, being in IT, I have a much better understanding of how it works. And then also being in IT, it helps me with the label, running a label, because I can do a lot of things that, like graphic design, uh, I can do a lot of promotional things, you know, a lot of things that ordinarily I would have to hire out. So, you know, having this, this benefit saves me a lot of money. I guess that could be quite cumbersome as well if uh, you were doing a job of like four or five different people. <laughs> Graphics and uh, A&R, marketing. But I guess it could be quite beneficial if you have these skills and you have the time to do so. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. I've, I know people that have tried to run labels or start labels and either they didn't really know how it's done or they just didn't have the money to do it, what was needed or some something else stopped them. But if you don't have these other tools in place, um, you'll just kind of slip through the cracks because there's so many labels out there. It's kind of easy today. To, yeah, it's so it's easy to start a record label. So you want to do something to make yours stand out. And people are obviously drawn to the music, but they also need something visual. So if you are good if you're creative uh, visually and graphically, if you can create some good designs and you know how to market them and how to get them out there, then that's definitely going to help you to be more successful. And how difficult has it been for you to maintain your label status? It's been quite challenging because it requires a lot of money to do it right. Uh, of course, there are some returns too, uh, financially, but I think probably my biggest challenge has been time, especially exactly. now that I'm, um, I'm doing other things too. I've, I've got uh, family situations, I've got uh, my IT situation, so to balance everything is probably a much bigger challenge, but now that I have another income, it allows me to... Uh, leverage other sources to to help with things that maybe I don't have time with so I can pay somebody else to do it for me. Um, during the, back in the day, uh, during the big breakthrough of the Detroit and its world takeover, shall I say, were you part of the groundbreaking um, artists? No, I wasn't. Um, I, I didn't even know them at the time. I knew of them, but uh, I, I wasn't part of that scene. Um, I didn't really become involved in that until later after they had already <laughs> broke the ground and, and taken over the world. But um, yeah, I've always had a great deal of respect for not only their musical ability and their groundbreaking uh, transformation of, of music but also their ability to get it out there and to be become noticed by the world and in all of the uh, effort and sacrifice that was taken in order to, to get to that level. Right. When did you get your first big break? 
Um, I started the label and, and I had limited resources at that time. I didn't really know a whole lot of people. First was trying to get uh, a good distributor. Finally, after a couple releases, I had uh, international distribution. But still, even in that time, there were a lot of labels, so I, I needed to get more exposure. I think that being from Detroit at that time, it kind of got me some instant recognition just because you know of what was going on in Detroit and the respect that the big three or four had uh, gotten for Detroit. So that helped out a lot. And then um, I had a break back in uh, the mid 90s when I was noticed by some people in London and they uh, they had me come over and do some recording there and, and play at uh, one of the biggest clubs in London. I'm referring to Mr. C, Richard West. Thank you very much. I was going to ask you that, Mr. C. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. ran the club end, and he had me the play end, there. Right. And I read. I did some recording for his label, The End, and his other uh, offshoot label, Plink Plonk. So that was uh, that was a big boost for for my career. Do you remember that release? Oh yeah, <laughs> I did a lot of releases on Plink Plonk, and um, I think I may have had two or three, two on um. Two on the end. I remember them, but I don't remember the name, so don't don't yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did they find you? you? That's a very good question. I don't know. I think um, they were very much into Detroit at the time. They okay. had been people like Kenny Larkin and Stacy Pullen, right? Uh, and and somehow they came across my name, I guess, and they they contacted me and, and invited me over to play at the end and rest is history during that break what artists and musicians or producers um, are true inspiration to you back then and these days as well I, I think that as a DJ I've always uh, had a great deal of respect for Jeff Mills and the way that, especially back in the day when he was playing on vinyl, the way that he would uh, manipulate vinyl, and so quickly he was able to, to switch from one record to another. Mm -hmm. Just a crazy wild man on the turntable back in the days. Um, musically, there's there's a lot of influences. I, I bought back in the day. I bought a lot of records by Juan Atkins. Uh, he was a big influence. There's a lot of the London scene. I was a big uh, fan of drum and bass. I like right. guys like Four Hero, right. uh, LTJ Bookham. Bookham. You know, I, I, I got a lot of different influence that goes all all over the place. Which is great to hear and great to know. Um, is there a few others? Yeah, yeah, I could go on. I mean, I was a big fan of uh, actually because I play instruments too. I I've, I was always a big fan of, of rock and roll music and alternative rock and also jazz you know that kind of gave me my music theory it, it kind of taught me where how to make music mm -hmm. so i was a big band a fan of uh like stanley clark okay. george duke mm -hmm. just wow. some amazing musicians amazing uh, <laughs> on the guitar I, I used to follow eddie van halen yeah don't get any better than that <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Hendrix. I used to follow him too. So, I'm guessing your early experience with music is due to your parents and other family members. What's the scoop on that? Uh, not my parents so much, although mm -hmm. my dad thinks yeah. that he is Nat King Cole. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had some uncles that played guitar and and sang, so I, I guess I kind of followed in their footsteps. Um, and just took the whole thing to a different level. My brother, I have an older brother who um, actually started DJing before me, and I kind of followed him in that. And he also bought a bass guitar at a very, when he was really young, but he never played it. He bought it and just sat it in the corner. And I picked it up and played it every day for hours and hours and hours. And so that's kind of where it all started. Did you have any uh, professional music um, school that you have uh, attended? <laughs> um, when I was really young, I took drum lessons in grade school. Um, 
that's where it started. But after picking up my brother's bass guitar and playing it, like I said, I used to play it every day for <laughs> at least three or four hours every day. Because I mean, when you're young, you got nothing else to do, right? Right. right. I could have been out in the streets doing something bad, but instead I was playing guitar. So at some point I said, well, I'm self-taught. I want to know if I'm teaching myself the right thing. So I went and took a guitar lesson okay. and sir told me, okay, let's see how good you are. And I started just wailing on the guitar, man. And he's like, man, you're better than me. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, how cool is that? So that was the only time I tried to take a lesson. Wow. Okay. And that was just hours on end with the bass in your hand. Yeah, yeah, basically. Now, having done it that way, it teaches you how to play music and how to learn music a completely uh, non-traditional way because I don't read music. I just play pure. Right. And today, I think probably most musicians do do it that way. They just play by ear. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I, that's mm-hmm. I prefer. You prefer that? Yes. It, oh. it comes from inside. It comes from your soul. You know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Are you gigging a lot at the moment? Not nearly as much as I used to because of time. Uh, would you I like play to? Maybe, I, well, I would like to play more. I, on average, I probably play, play about once or twice a month. Uh, there was a time back in the day when I was in a different country every weekend, but uh, that, that's, that's in the past now. I got too many other obligations to, uh, to be able to do that anymore. Do you feel it's only the obligation, or do you feel that, uh, um, uh, I don't know if you have an agency or not? I um, do belong to several uh, booking agencies, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, but again, today, and you know this, uh, yeah. Roberto, they're, everybody, their cousin, their dog, their grandmother, claims to be a DJ. Right. <laughs> and, and when you got that much competition it's much harder uh to get booked consistently right uh at some point clubs felt or club club owners felt that well why should i pay this guy all this money to come over from detroit when i can get uh my cousin uh sam (laughs) to do it for free Mm -hmm. and so you got a lot of that and you've even got clubs coming from the west coast you know this that will charge the talent to play in their venue so it's just completely, the situation is completely reversed. But, um, you know, I'm happy playing once or twice a month because I've, I've lived a life. I know what it what it's involved in. And, you know, I've had all that fun and glitter. So, But that's, cool. not, that's not to say that there's a next, another generation of uh, hard workers and entrepreneurs, DJs and um, producers that really take this music thing serious right yeah there um there's a lot of people coming up now that have have, have um really changed the game again and, and they are relating to these young people yeah they these you these uh young people they've take they've taken the music to a di- in a different direction there's you know lots of uh offshoots of of house and techno music that I started off playing and there's a lot of um, people that have just taken it to the next level so you know I gotta give them a lot of respect yeah yeah that's what I was that's what I was uh, I was about to say um, some it seems like some of the pioneers don't want to give that that door leave that door open for um, the opportunity for uh, young people that really have the talent yeah. and work hard and have the time that we don't have <laughs> don't have the obligations right. we have right yeah and I, I like that uh, they've kind of made it their own you know um, right everything everything evolves and it ha- the, the electronic scene has not stayed the same it's, it's just broadened it's expanded and it's, it's just gone in so many different directions so I, believe- I think it's really interesting do you, do you believe that's good I think it's good yes okay, good. I, 
if it stayed the same, then it would get boring and it would get watered down, which it has. A lot of it has gotten watered down and boring, but I think that there's a lot, a lot of uh, authentic sounding talent. Yes. Um, you know, you can't, you can't deny it. I'm all, yeah, I'm always uh, excited to uh, for young people that you just hear them and you know they got it, and you're excited to know that these risk takers still exist. Right. Yeah. I think there will always be that. You know, um, the thing that kind of disappoints me sometimes is that a lot of the newer generation of people coming up, they don't seem to care so much about the roots, where it all comes from. You'll, you'll ask them if they know maybe some, some names that may have started it and they have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> you know, so I think that, that knowing where it comes from is part of really being uh, true to, to the music that you do. I understand. The, the label, um, tell us about the history and the concept behind Sore Records. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Soiree Records Soiree. was named. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, it was named as such uh, because of a, a party we used to do back in the day, every Monday night. Uh, I used to have these parties that I would call them Soirees. So when I decided to launch the label, that's what it was the name that I decided to call it. But um, the reason I, I launched the label is because I just couldn't see why I should waste time, you know, trying to get signed to other labels. I had tried, you know, getting on major labels and smaller independent labels for a brief time. Not much success there. So rather than wait around for somebody else to notice me, I was a, a go-getter and I just went and did it myself. And the concept behind it, the label? Music style, uh, artist, I mean, how... Uh, how are you as an A&R of the label? How, who do you find interesting? How do you find them? Right. Um, good, good questions. Um, in the beginning, as a musician, I knew a lot of singers and, and, you know, local singers in Detroit. So they had been writing songs. They knew that I was a producer. So we put our talents together. They would write some songs. I would write the music, anything that I thought was worthy. We would, we would work out a deal and, and I would release it on Soiree. Um, that's how we started in the, in the house direction. Now, at the time, I was also a big fan of techno and electro. So I made some of my own tracks, you know, under different monikers. And back in the beginnings, we were, Soiree was releasing um, techno and house. And then it just kind of grew from that to where it is today. Um, I don't really have to seek out any talent anymore. They all seem to find me. And I've been very fortunate in the people working with the people that have come to me because all of them are very, they seem to be very talented. They come up with some very, very good material. <laughs> and, and, and these people are very easy to work with too. It's just, I've just been very fortunate. Oh, that's, that's great. And uh, the, 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 the labels um, distributed by Right. Um, our primary vinyl distribution right now is Diamonds and Pearls, located okay. in Berlin. Okay. And um, the uh, digital distribution is, is spearheaded by Orchard mm -hmm. Distribution. Mm -hmm. And put it on all of the uh, digital sites around the world. All right. Oh, and and uh, you've been with them since the beginning. Um, I no, oh man, vinyl distribution. I've been with a, I, a lot, a lot of different distributors. Uh, digital, I've had two. There was Orchid, Orchard rather, and then before them, I was with Iris. So, yeah, that's that's been about it. What do you enjoy most besides music? I enjoy most what I've been doing for the last two days, just <laughs> R and R, rest and relaxation. Because oh, okay. I don't get to do that much at all at home. Oh yeah, you, so you're that you're that busy, huh? Around the clock. Man. It's crazy, man. It is just insane. But I, I love to travel, though. That's that's another uh, benefit of doing what I do musically. I get to travel and 
it's, it's just fun to see all these different parts of the world and meet all these people and all these cultures. It's, uh, something that without music, I probably would not have uh, the benefit of doing. Going through all that you've been through, um, the late 90s or early 90s, was it? Uh, yeah, late 90s. Till now, what keeps you motivated? Um, in this music that I'm doing, it, like I said, it keeps evolving, it keeps changing. Okay. And what really also inspires me is if I can go out to a club and listen to a, a really good DJ play a set. Um, this can be a house set, it can be a techno set, it can be a drum and bass set, whatever. Just something really good is always inspiring to me because it inspires me not only as a DJ, but it also, the, the music and the sounds that I'm listening to, it also inspires me to in production, you know, the way that I'm making music. So um, that's kind of what keeps me fresh. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a, that makes a whole lot of sense. And um, so you're a family man as well. Yes, I am. Oh, cool. Wife, kids, fifteen kids, twenty, ten, five. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, I've never been asked that question before in an interview. This is the first. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 important because I think people young and old that are into this should must understand the difficulty of balance between yeah and to yeah, have I, have your family to stand behind you and support you yeah that's a big that's a big deal to me yeah you're right and, and how to manage that is very important i think i mean like look at uh rob hood has his daughter playing with him you exactly know, bring, you know yeah. and i think <laughs> I think this is a, a great thing to talk about, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I got married um, five years ago. So at that time, I was already well into music. I mean, my career was, my feet were cemented into the music scene. My wife knew that, and I explained to her some things that I might have to do as far as travel and DJ and all that. And, before we even got too serious, I explained it to her and I said, you know, are you cool with this? And she said that she was and she has, uh, she hasn't gone back on her word. She's been supportive. Um, she has a son, an adopted son, and I have a son by a different mother. So we have two kids and everybody's supportive and things are working out. But of course, you know, doing this music thing it can it can consume a lot of your time so you have exactly. there's, there's a thin balance because you don't want to miss out on the family life at the same time especially when you have young kids you have to be there for them and to be a good influence on them so it's something that that you really need to uh, take seriously and, and give a lot of attention to and what do they think about this side of your life do they they they, they believe in you um I try to involve the boys uh, in um, what I'm doing, but at the same time, I don't like I don't want to force them. If they're not interested in it, then I support what they're interested in. Like one is really interested in football, American football, and the other one is interested in baseball and soccer. So you know, if they don't want want to. Um, be involved in music at this time and that's up to them but i still like to show them what i'm doing so that they know mm -hmm. oh great great um when is your next releases on the label we have one scheduled for january 15th uh, the name of that ep is universal shift it features a track by myself uh, another detroit native uh, dj roach and it also, Rennie Foster's on the Rene, record. Uh, from Canada? From Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. And there's there's a new uh, comer, his name is Nicholas Franken. He's from Belgium. So this is kind of a, a more techie type of uh, release. All 
well, the techno, tracks are techno soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Mine kind of has more of a house flavor yeah. to it, and um, you know, it's it's a really mi good mixture of, of tracks. I think that I think you'll like it. Will we get a chance to hear it on uh, Saturday? You will. I have a test pressing with me, which I would like to play. Oh, great. Um, on Saturday, when the place is packed around the block, what can well, people? Yeah, what can people expect you to hear from you? What would you? Uh, like? Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Yes. Okay. What can they so, expect? Well, what I do when I go into a, a club like this is I'll, I'll listen to the DJ who's playing before me just to get kind of a feel for the room. And where they leave me, that's kind of where I start from because I don't want to like have a big culture shock on the club. So I'll start from wherever the person in front of me leaves me at. And then I kind of like to take the crowd on a journey. You know, I like to show them where I'm from and the music that influences me. And you're gonna hear a lot of uh, Detroit stuff. Um, you're gonna hear some Detroit electro, you're gonna hear some Detroit techno, you're gonna hear some, uh, you're gonna hear a lot of stuff from my label, Suari Records. So it's just gonna be kind of like my own journey. Well good, I'll give them a, a little bit of journey through house and I call it techno house <laughs> and yeah. a little bit of experimental stuff to get them warmed up for you um i really appreciate you taking this time to uh uh do this uh interview with me and to be on the decisive podcast uh decisive podcast it's a pleasure and to get to meet you on saturday and uh have a good time and i hope that uh your stay in cologne and munich is a good one well, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to coming to Munich. I haven't played there in probably eight years. I played there quite a bit, like in the um, late 90s, early 2000s. But I haven't played there in quite a while, so I'm looking forward to coming back. Great. Then I'll see you on Saturday, and I'll let you get some rest. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, what do you like to drink at the bar? <laughs> oh, man, let's have some coffee. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> whatever, the, whatever your favorite drink is, we'll share it. <laughs> okay, I, I wish, I hope that we can, but I don't think they'll have what I like to drink. I'm oh, okay. a, an absinthe man. I don't think they have it. Oh, oh no? <laughs> if they do, we'll definitely do it. I like some Kavasi or something. Oh, man, you must be from the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Cincinnati, Ohio <laughs> Los, oh, to, to Los Angeles Well you have a great evening And thank you again uh, Mr. Derek Thompson For being part of the Decisive Podcast Series Guest Mix Show Thank you Hope you enjoyed the interview Very interesting gentleman For all our members That are part of the Facebook group of the Decisive Podcast Thank you so much for your support. Please tell your friends, invite as many as you like to such a great music program in which I enjoy presenting to you. Special shout out going out to my man, Miles Sergey, Klaus Bakor over there in Dusseldorf, Cologne area. My man, Rob over here in Munich, Stanny at Optimal Records. My man, Jay Denham getting ready to bust out. Marcus Mehta and his newborn, Clara, Jack de Marseille, Christy Cristal, both coming to the Decisive Podcast program. Don't forget Swin Fate at Blitz. Don't forget the MMA in Munich. Don't forget Ruta Sunne. Don't forget to join all of the World League events. That's what Munich has to offer for you. With that said, I'm signing off with the Decisive Podcast Series Guest Mix. Your host, Roberto Q. Ingram. Much love. Peace.